Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today is part two with the legendary Johnny Gidcomb. In a very inspiring part two, we get much deeper into the looping and ADR world, including what skills are needed for super loopers and incredibly remote languages that Johnny has somehow managed to cast. I'm not ready to end my chat with Johnny and was hoping this episode could be infinity minutes long, but I am ready to start it. So speaking of saying yes to opportunities, you you just mentioned it briefly, but once you got into the ADR world, first of all, when you stopped doing improv, how much longer after that did you stay on uh, the Groundlings to work in the box office? Oh, I left, uh, you know, after I taken advanced and um, (laughs) they wanted me to take it again because they they were afraid that I was going to end up with too much power because, you know, here I was the the CEO and then they would have to start voting on me. And then they're like, okay, we want you to take it again. Cause they were afraid I was going to leave them high and dry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not taking this again. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I just, just was not going to do it. But what I did do was I said, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's where actors, I feel like a lot of times don't take their own careers in their own hands. Yeah, I said, you know what? I uh, I had answered the phone and this producer called. We were always getting calls and she goes, I'm looking to put together a group of people. Would the Groundlings be interested in this? And I was like, no, I'm sure they probably won't. I'll give them, you know, tell them. And it was to do a show up at the Ice House in Pasadena. Mm. And I said... You know, I'll talk to him, but I, you know, this was right after the whole universal thing. And, and so when I called her to tell her, no, they weren't interested. Then she said, well, do you know anybody that is? And I said, I'll put it together. I'll do it. I'll direct it. I'll cast it. <laughs> and cause I knew all these people. Right. Uh, and Chris Catan was in the, one of my first show and then um, there, and <laughs> we ended up running for like two two years there and then we moved to the uh sofitel uh in west hollywood uh right at beverly isn't that what it's called probably anyway i think it's called a a sofitel uh and there was a little theater there and the guy wanted a show and he saw this my show at the um ice house and i and he asked hey you know can you do one here for me and i (laughs) said okay and we ended up getting better reviews than the Groundlings. Oh wow! <laughs> and and that was that that didn't make some of those people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up uh, uh, they had a problem that somebody fell at the thing, and the guy didn't have the right insurance, and the hotel shut it down. Hmm. I mean, it was in this. It's like a you know a four or five star hotel, and it was a gorgeous little theater inside of it. So they literally took it all apart and tore it down. And, but then after that, I just kept directing and directing, directing uh, shows all around town, not just sketch comedy, but uh, a lot of uh, new works, uh, original works. Yeah. I was going to ask if it was all just sketch comedy, but um, I I stopped right after that. I was like, I don't, I'm tired of sketch comedy. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great training, but I, I, you know, I produced them. I directed them. I helped rewrite them. I was in them. Um, so 
it was a good it was fun well, is that all you it. did, Johnny? That's that's it? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I've always taken the bull by the horns. I don't know why. It's like <laughs> somebody comes to me and says, well, you want to do this? And I, again, I always say yes. Mm-hmm. And things come out of that, you know? Yeah. So um, what, again, if you can fill in the gap between this show that, that you wore all these hats for and getting into the world of ADR and looping, well, ironically, they're not that far apart. Uh, what happened was is that, you know, uh, a couple of people uh, saw my shows and uh, then I had a couple of friends that were producers and they kept asking me for favors. And they were like, hey, you know, we're doing this thing, you know, all these actors, can you put this together? And I'd be like, okay. They were like, oh, we, we have this script. Can you get a staged reading together for us? And I'd be like, okay. And then one day they asked me if I could, um, you know, do this Walla thing. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but okay. Uh, and what I it is, is basically what, what your dog's doing right now. Just yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, he's in the background barking, <laughs> saying how, how, how great this interview is going. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, it just, so you didn't really know what it was at the time. I had no um, idea, mm-hmm. none. And I said, uh, uh, I said, yeah, sure, I, I put together some people. And then... Um, Oh, this it, this was what the crazy thing was, is that um, it was filmed in Canada. And this was back in the day when um, movie studios uh, used to do non-union hmm. as well as union before right. the uh, SAG said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I, so I, I said, sure, I can get people together because I was doing the play Eastern Standard at the time I had directed it. Hmm. And... Um, they had said, you know, can you put this together? And I did. And I just got basically everybody that was in the cast and then a couple of other people, a couple of my groundling friends and said, Hey, we're going to go to this stage and do something. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is. I've seen the movie, but what it was, was, is that, you know, it was filmed in Canada, but it was supposed to take place in Kansas. So they, we had to replace all those people because they all sounded like real. I mean, it wasn't a high budget movie. Mm-hmm. I think Vince Vaughn might have been in it, and uh, I think it was right after Swingers. Okay, it was like he was on his starting his ascent up, and so then we did it, and I thought, oh, and well, of course we were all scared to death. Never been on an ADR stage, never been in front of a mic like that. Uh, never done anything to picture, but uh, the cast of East, Eastern Standard was really pretty well-rounded as far as the types of people they were. Mm-hmm. So after that, they asked me for another favor and then another favor, and and then I became a must-hire on a couple of, of their movies. They're like, you know, here, you know, why don't you do this in this loop group, and, you know, it's SAG, and da-da-da, and I was like, okay, uh, sure. And so... Uh, I learned by watching other coordinators, some of which are, you know, I still, I would, I, I won't say compete because I don't compete with anybody, mm-hmm. uh, but they were, you know, already established. And I got, I had a bad experience in one of them. 
And uh, the guy says to me, he was the producer, and he says to me, you know, how's it going? We went to, he went to lunch with us. Hmm. And he goes, how's it going? I said, oh, these people are just, I, I, not, this is not something I want to do. These people are not nice. <laughs> He's like, really? Hmm. And I'm like, no, they're not really that nice. <laughs> and, and because, you know, when someone comes in and you're a must hire on a, a show, this does not happen in my group. But other groups, it, it tended to happen. I don't know how it is now, but I, you know, they feel like you're taking a slot away from one of their mm -hmm. friends or people. Right. So he said, well, Johnny, you know, all these people and he'd come to all these plays that I had directed. He's like, why don't you just start your own and I will hire you. Uh, you know, I'll make sure you get jobs. Hmm. And I was like, really? I said, oh, well, I'll think about it. And I thought about it and I, didn't do it. And I thought about it some more and I still didn't do it. And then they kept asking me, see, this is when I said no at first. Mm -hmm. And then he came to me and said, he asked me for another favor. And I said, okay, I'll do it. But you know, remember what you said to me, if you help me, then I will, uh, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay. And so that's sort of how the ball got rolling. It was completely, I want to say by accident, but to me, there really are no accidents. You meet certain people at certain times in your life that you're ready to meet, that help you, that are, you know, or teach you something that, you know, whether good or bad, that helps you to the next level. Had I thought, oh, these people are the most, the, the best people in the world, I might not have, have said that. Right. Uh, then ironically enough, some of the people that treated me badly that day are begging me for jobs now. <laughs> and uh, um, I'm like, you don't remember me, but I remember you. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I've heard some of them, but uh, you know, I just think it's, you, you have to, one thing I've learned also is people anywhere from the person that answers the phone at the production company to anyone higher up, they might answer the phone right now. Next year, they might be a, a producer or an associate producer or do a, you know, I did a lot of what I would call crap before I ended up starting to get really big movies because mm -hmm. I, you know, I was doing a lot of low budget things for not a, much, a lot of money, uh, and, but I wouldn't turn anything down. And I made a lot of mistakes at first, but that's the only way you learn. As I teach in my class, you know, mistakes get a bad rep. The way you learn is by making mistakes. And if you, if you realize, oh, I made a mistake here, but I'm going to learn from it. And even if you make it two, three times, it doesn't matter until it gets into your head. Okay. I've made these mistakes. I'm not going to do that again. And just I, I thank the Lord that it didn't really ever cost me a job. Right. Um, but I, it was like on the job training. And also it all harkens back to that teacher, Margaret Carner from ULR who really taught me how to direct. That's what, you know, I always go, if, if I had not met her, I don't know where I would be as well in the sense that, she taught me some really fundamental things that I still do today when I direct. Man, that's, that's amazing. And, and I know, like you said, in class, you would um, 
tell us how how important mistakes are um, in learning, which is exactly why I made so many because I wanted to really demonstrate to my fellow classmates <laughs> that we're yeah. You do. You you, <laughs> yeah. you not only learn from people that are doing it right, you learn from people that are doing it wrong. I know you're joking about that, but it's seriously <laughs> true. Yeah. It's like some of the biggest things that I've learned the most from are not just my mistakes, but other people's mistakes that I see right in front of me and I go, oh, if they'd only done this, it would have been okay. Yeah. And not that I'm perfect in any way. I make lots of mistakes, and I, and, but uh, I try to take away something from each one of those mistakes that I make. Yeah. And, and it's so important because it, mistakes are tied to fear. And like when people are scared of doing something, it's often not the thing that they're scared of doing. It's making a mistake or looking bad doing that thing, which right. prevents them from ever learning. And, you know, you never know what you can accomplish unless you try. And, right. and once you get comfortable with making mistakes, the progress shoots up so much faster than it otherwise would. I agree 100%. And that's why I teach it in my class relentlessly. I mean, actors are the, the first ones to like, you know, if they feel like they do, have done a bad job on audition, they go beat themselves up in the car. Right. And, and it's like, why did I do that? Why didn't I, you know, if I would only said it this way instead of that way? You know what? It's so ridiculous to do that to yourself mm -hmm. because number one, you know, I cast for a living as well. You know, I, I cast podcasts, I cast, I've cast commercials, I've cast plays, I've cast, you know, a scratch tracks. I've cast a lot of different types of things. I want the actor to succeed whoever's auditioning because it makes my, I, that way I don't have to work anymore. It's right. like, oh, I have found the right one. They're going to choose this person and I can stop looking. Yeah. And people that you beat yourself up, so that didn't go that well. That doesn't mean another opportunity is not going to come. There have been people that have auditioned for me and their audition didn't go too well. And I call them again for something else and they knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Where actors make the mistake is a lot of times they think they can play everything. Right. You know, Meryl Streep can't even play everything. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. You take that back, Johnny. You take no. that back right now. <laughs> no, but I, I agree mean, 100%. Yeah, I mean, she's always pretty good at everything, but she <laughs> there are some things she's better at than others. Right. Like for everybody. And, and I think what makes her good is she realizes the, that as well. I'm sure she turns down a lot of stuff you know yeah. and then she goes you know what this isn't this isn't who i am right uh you know but i think actors have a really hard time looking at themselves in the mirror and they expect that they can do a b c d e f mm -hmm. you know yeah. i had a, i had a, a, an actor on my stage once and you know uh, I'm, I'm not gonna say that because it might give away who he is but um <laughs> uh, he he turned to me at one point and he wanted to do this newscast so bad and he's not no, known for newscasts he's known for other things like voice matching and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and i was like really you want to try this and he got up there and he fumbled and he fumbled and the more he get fumbled the more scared he got and the worse he got and he was driving home with me that day he goes you know what you were right <laughs> This is not my thing. I'm going to have to work much harder at this to get better at that. Mm -hmm. I, you just can't automatically assume you can do something.
unless you work on it. Yeah, especially because actors, you know, it's when you are hired, even though there are directors involved, they're hiring you so that ideally they don't have to, you know, squeeze out the the performance from you, that you're capable of doing it from the get-go. So a lot of people, I'm sure voice actors say, I can do anything. I'll follow direction. They tell me to do something, I'll do it. But you need to get to a point where you're, you're skilled enough at what's being asked of you that you don't necessarily need to be directed. Exactly. Yeah. Because they don't, first of all, time is money. They don't want to spend yeah. a lot of time on it. They want, they, that's why, you know, if they ask for young people, I bring in young people. I don't bring 40-year-olds that can sound young. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's not how it works so you mentioned you know you took all when you decided to start basically working as an ADR coordinator uh, it was still a fairly new world to you but how did you navigate like the administrative stuff of of just like knowing how to negotiate with people and, and what a fair rate is and that sort of thing well, the lucky thing is that SAG sort of dictates a lot of that. But as far as the contracts are concerned and all that, that you know, it's a learning curve. And I made a lot of mistakes. And every time I would make a mistake, I'd go, okay, I made a mistake. And I would own up to it. It's not enough that you just make a mistake. If you make a mistake, acknowledge the mistake. You know what? People don't want to hear, you know, oh, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I screwed up. But... Uh, you know, uh, this or that, you know, or, or, or then deny that they made the mistake right. completely. Deflect it's, the blame, yeah. Yeah, or, oh, I did it because you sent me the wrong paperwork, or yeah. you did it because, I, I did it because of this or that. No, own up to your own side of it. And sometimes you have to own up to it, even if it isn't your side of it. Hmm. Because, you know, the old saying, shit rolls down the, the, the hill, and, you know, that's exactly how it works. You know, we're on the, the lower side of the totem pole here. And um, you, you, you fess up, basically. And then you learn from that. And you don't let it stop you. Where, you know, a lot of actors, they get to a certain point in their career and then they get discouraged. And um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, I taught last weekend for seven hours uh, I taught for an agency and then I taught my own class hmm. and I, I do this thing I don't know if I did it in the class that you take but I said what is it in your life that you're most proud of doesn't have to do anything with your career it can or it cannot and you know I, I got some amazing stories but one of them was a girl thought she had to give up her career because she had a family a woman I shouldn't say a girl a woman thought and what she was most proud of is that she didn't let it stop her from doing what she loves. And I was like, you know what? That's it right there. There were plenty of times, like I remember a very big famous uh, manager had said to me at one point, had never seen me act, had never seen me do anything. And I was friends with him because I was friends with his boyfriend. And he turned to me and said, you know what? You're never going to make it in this industry. You need to be an agent or a manager. <laughs> now, had I listened to him, I would not have done all the things that I've done in my career. Right. I would have stopped and said, oh, he's right. And for that reason, I ne- never tell someone what they can or cannot do. That is not my decision. That's up to the actor. That's up to that individual actor. Do I want to really do what it takes 
to succeed in this business or do I want to play around the edges mm -hmm. or do I just want to give up because somebody important that they deem as important told me I couldn't do that. <laughs> a, a student that just started studying with me, she's doing animation and she's just starting off with her career. And she said, you know, Johnny, do you think I could do looping? And you know, her voice sounds pretty animated. And I said, that's not for me to say yes or no. That's for you to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. We give way too much power to people that we think that know more. Right. Instead of the power of ourselves to, to say, you know what? And it's like I go back to that, that guy that studied with me for so long, and, and it was the only thing he wanted to become was a looper. And he followed me to every place I taught. And uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't, I don't want, I, he might not want everybody yes. to know this. So, he, I mean, he, he was merciless. I mean, he literally, I, at one point I just said, I don't know if I have anything else to teach you. <laughs> and, you know, and then he sent me, you know, and then he, he goes, how do I become a super looper? And I said, you do this, this, and this, and this. And every time he would check in with me, he had done that, he had done this, he had done that, he had done this. And I'm like, well, it's going to happen. And it did. And then his Christmas card was, you know, this is a guy that I don't know what his job was, but it was like, like at a Starbucks or something. And now he's living in a huge house in the hills and working every single day of the week. But it's because he put in the effort and he didn't take his eyes off the prize. You know, he did everything. It takes 10,000 hours to get good at anything, really, seriously. And uh, I will say this for myself and how I started running my group. I wasn't good at what I was doing when I first started, but I had the tenacity to keep trying and to right. keep at it right. and to keep saying yes. Man, I, uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, but you brought it up. So I have to ask on behalf of any actor listening, what are the things you need to do to be a super looper? Well, I'd say take improv classes immediately. Mm -hmm. I always say the groundlings, but there's lots of good places. I only say the groundlings because I was there. And uh, I would say, you know, watch the shows on TV. What are the types of things that are on TV? A- if it there are tons of police shows go learn how to do dispatch go take a policing course and i told a lot of my students to do it and a lot of them did it and loved it uh and and are using it today some of them are working now and they're like that course was invaluable johnny thanks for telling me to go do that <laughs> then medical things i say you know become an emt not only are you helping yourself with you know possibly saving someone's life down the line if someone has a heart attack or whatever in a store or in a restaurant or wherever and you can you know do something to help them you're giving yourself a tool that is you know loopers uh and adr need to know a little bit about everything mm -hmm. and you and this is where the acting comes in you need to if you're playing a doctor in a scene I need to know that whatever's going to come out of your mouth sounds like you say it every single day of the week. Right. And that goes not just for, you know, loop, that's on camera as well. Mm -hmm. Look at all the shows on TV. There's not a show that doesn't have a doctor or a nurse or something like that. Medical. Uh, so anything medical, paramedics, fire, 
uh, look, there's Chicago fires, Chicago, all those mm -hmm. uh, law and orders, uh, you know, get that lingo down. And then lots and lots of improv and lots and lots of time in front of the mic. Right. The thing is, is that once you get a break and you're in front of a mic, you're still going to be scared to death. Mm -hmm. So that's when the preparation and the studying and that breeds the confidence so that when you get up in front of that mic and say a big director like James Cameron or whoever, you're not going to melt. Right. Or if you're on a set, you're not going to flub and freak out because you have had that preparation mm -hmm. and you know, those words are going to flow right out of your mouth. Like, you know, there's no tomorrow. So it's, it's only going to help. And the improv is only going to help your auditions, uh, especially commercially. Uh, so I always say take is, you know, you should, you should be adding to your actor toolbox every single week taking some sort of class. I don't care how much you've studied you should be and, and how much you've done. I have a friend that's a, I would consider her a super looper and she speaks Spanish. What does she do every Saturday? She takes a Spanish class. Hmm. Now the girl is completely, uh, you know, fluent in Spanish, but she wants to keep her chops up. Wow. So I think where we get, you know, it's like, Actors need to look at how doctors and nurses have to take reoccurring classes to stay up on what's new. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of actors think, oh, you know, I went to college, I learned all that, I don't need anything else. Well, that's just starting. <laughs> I mean, that is literally just anybody that gets out of co any college, any college. I mean, I've had people study with me that have studied at Juilliard and at, um, you know, any of the big acting schools. Mm -hmm. And some of them can't, could, I couldn't get them on an ADR stage because they couldn't do it because it's a whole new skill. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I've tried. I was like, okay, you're a, an incredible actor. Here, let me put you in front of a mic. And they do what every novice do. They make the same mistakes. And, and, and it's all because it's a new tool. It's something they haven't studied. Right. And I think that goes for every, every aspect of acting. I mean, I have people that work for me that are still do on camera. They still do commercials. They still do looping. They have well-rounded careers. You know, if this one guy that I've been talking about, that's all he wanted to do was be on a looper on an ADR stage. That's all he wanted to do with this. He didn't want to do commercials. He didn't want to do anything else. He works five days a week, sometimes twice a day scale plus residuals. Yeah. So I don't think that's a bad living and you get to be creative and you get to act. Mm -hmm. Anybody that thinks looping is not acting, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And not only, I mean, it's improvised acting, which can be more intimidating than acting because you don't have lines to, you know, to fall on, but. But also there are scripts that we have to read. We do all right. the, anything you do in normal voiceover, like, you know, commercial scripts or, you know, sports announcers or whatever, whatever it is, we do it in loop groups and ADR. Mm -hmm. And every single job is different. 
you know, all those uh, uh, Marvel movies, there's always something different that I'm going to have to do. Every time I'm on a stage, people go, well, you must not get nervous now, Johnny, because you've done this so long. I'm like, I'm nervous every time because I don't know what I'm walking into. And every single job is different. That's what makes it exciting. And that's also what makes it challenging. Mm -hmm. Right. It can be a very lucrative career just being a looper if you work regularly with the scale for union work and residuals, which is one of the reasons I imagine why it's such a coveted sort of uh, up until now, like secret, and, and it's hard to break into. So for people that want to break into it now, what are some of the things that they can do along with taking courses and getting the EMT training and, and these other tr types of training that, that are high in demand for looping work? Well, I, I get this all the time that, you know, it's somehow a boys club or a girls club where you can't ever break into it. And that's just nonsense. I've taught so many people. And yes, probably uh, out of all the people that I've taught, maybe, you know, eight or nine percent are actually doing it. But I can usually tell when I'm teaching who's going to put the effort in and who's not going to put the effort in. Mm -hmm. And... Um, <laughs> It's like any, <laughs> sorry, bourbon. Um, <laughs> He's still pissed that you didn't give him a looping gig. <laughs> I, well, your time is coming. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, I think that's an excuse for people not wanting to try hard enough. They're like, it's just too hard. So I don't, I'm not going to try. I've had countless times where people would become a must hire for me. And I would see the potential or they did something amazing on the, you know, they didn't really have that much ADR experience and they did something amazing. I'm like, I'm going to remember him. I'm going to hire him again. And to this day, the guy that I'm, you know, talking about right now, he works for me all the time. Hmm. And he was someone that was a request. So I think you have to just keep at it. It's, it's also knowing Okay, I know you've heard this story before, but I'm gonna, I think this is an important story. Sure. You know, uh, I, I had this one student who I've talked about before, and he got an opportunity. And I said to him, he was all excited when he came into my, one of my classes. And he's like, oh, I got to sit in with this group and da, da, da. And I had three questions for him. Okay, number one, and I could say this to you. Number one, where did you uh, sit? And he said, oh, I sat, in, I, I, I sat over in the corner in the back. I said, okay, that was your first mistake. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, when you went to lunch, did you go to lunch with everybody? Did you find out anything about, you know, how they got in the business? And he said, oh, no, I went to, I went and had lunch by myself, basically. I said, well, that was your second mistake. And then I said, the third thing was, is did they ask you to get up and do anything? And he said, yes. And I said, well, did you do it? And he said, no. I said, now you have taken my class how many times and you know all the rules and you know all the do's and don'ts and yet you didn't get your butt up and do anything. I said, you usually get one or two chances to, to show people what you have. It's basically like an audition. Right. And you didn't take that opportunity. And then he, his face kind of like fell and he was like, oh, you know, moping. And then we had the class and you know, he was knocking it out of the park. He was bound and determined to show me what he'd learned and what he could do. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I know, he comes me, comes back to me and he says, Johnny, I got another opportunity from them and da-da-da-da. And 
uh, I'm going to do this again. And so he did it. And then he called me and I, I said, okay, what are the three questions I'm going to ask you? He said, Johnny, I sat in the middle of everybody. I talked to them. I, uh, I went to lunch with them. I asked them how they got their start, what they did. Uh, I, I got up, I did a bunch of cues. He goes, and you're not going to believe this. They called me for a job the next week. And I said, see, I said, you have to be ready when the opportunity comes to you and you get ready by the training and not letting yourself be so scared that you, uh, you know, I don't care how outgoing you are or in, you have to push press forward. You have to say, okay, I can do this. Yes. You just have to say yes. And yeah, you might fall on your face, but there's more dignity than falling on your face and getting back up than there is in falling on your face and staying down. It's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up. Yeah. And I can say that to everybody as far as any part of the entertainment business, because I've been in a lot of different parts of it. Mm -hmm. You gotta get yourself back up. You know, was that when I was a dancer, did I get every part I auditioned for? No. When I was an actor, did I get every part I auditioned for? No. It is what it is. Maybe I wasn't ready for it at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I look at my past, like running the groundlings and the directing all the plays and doing all, that. All the things I had done in my past had me ready to do what I have done. Mm -hmm. And it's the combination of all those that bring you to that. Right. I said, you know, people think because you fail once or you make a mistake once that your life is over. It's not. It's just beginning. And it's how hard you work for it. Absolutely. So it's brought this question to mind. I'm curious, you know, because you want to take advantage of opportunities and make sure you've, you've trained so you you can knock them out of the park when you do get them or at least get back up if, if it doesn't work out and, and try harder the next time. But what things, cause you mentioned you do some casting as well and you need, sometimes you need a voice match or a certain language, things like that. Um, you're obviously not going to know every single thing each actor can do, but how can they show you, the different things that they can do so you know when an opportunity comes that requires their skill set you'll say oh okay i'll i'll give this guy or girl a ring well it it depends <laughs> it depends on the project mm -hmm. um like i did life of pi and they wanted these people that spoke this um language that is part indian and part french and it's, it's, pon it's in this little area of India called Pondicherry. And I was panic stricken. I, I was like, how am I going to find people that speak this language? And I mean, I was panicking. I was like, this is a big movie, big director. How am I going to find these people? And of course, they want to do it in here in LA. <laughs> so it's like, they couldn't go to India. They, they're not going to do it in India. Right. And I and I remember I sort of put my feelers out to people. And this was before ADR languages was a thing on Facebook. And I put my feelers out to people and they said, oh, I know this guy that speaks multiple languages. And I think he speaks that language. 
I can't even think of the name of the language right now. Uh, it'll come to me right after we get off this. Um, so I said, okay, can you give me his number? I could barely pronounce the dude's name. And I call him and, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, do you speak this language? And if you do, do you know anybody else that can speak this language? And he's like, yes, yes, I can help you. I can help you. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay. Um, how do you say your name again? And here's my number. And this is for real. This is what I do. Are they SAG? I mean, I'm gonna have to, I, I could Taft Hartley a bunch of people. And um, we ended up hiring, I ended up hiring most all his relatives. <laughs> and they had never been on an ADR stage. They had never done it. And I said, this could be a disaster. And so I went to where I used to teach my classes at Wildfire Stages. And I said, Ken, I'm gonna have all these people come that don't, don't even hardly speak English. And we're gonna teach them, how, I'm gonna teach them how to loop for a day. And uh, I did. And the recordist said, oh my God, Johnny, I feel so sorry for you. I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> and so I ended up, you know, it, it ended up being great. Uh, the only problem I had was, you know, I had to have little kids as well. And the parents, the three beeps would happen. The, and on the imaginary fourth beep, I said, nobody can talk. And they would be whispering to their child of phrases to say because the child couldn't think of anything. And I was like, no, 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 no. You can't talk after that fourth beep. <laughs> I mean, everything takes a little bit longer. But right. because they were from there, they brought that life. As soon as they saw what was on the screen, I said, what would you say in the village? What would you, what would you call out in the village? And we ended up getting it and I actually got an award for it. And that's that <laughs> award back there on my oh, nice. <laughs> thing uh, for um, ADR languages. But I always, after that, it taught me a big lesson. And instead of panicking, because like now I'm doing another Marvel feature and it has five languages and some of them are dead languages and i always say to myself if i can find one or two i can find them all and if they need to be taught i can teach them enough are they going to be as good as people that do it on a regular basis no but i can teach them enough in a short period of time that they will be able to do it and give them what they want and need yeah we got to figure out what that language was. God, it sounds, it? Yeah, maybe it's, it says on your award. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't say. It, no, it doesn't say. It just says it's a golden real award. Um, uh, it's like, let me see. I, I'm going to Google it because I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, uh, stand by. We're going to get to the bottom of this right now. <laughs> oh, there it is. Language in Pondicherry. Hmm. Oh, I don't even know how to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Tamal. Tamil, okay. T-A-M-I-L. Hmm. They speak three actual different languages. Um, hmm. It's a combination of French, English, and Indian. And wow. they only speak it in that one city in, in <laughs> all of India. I can't believe you found anyone. That's unbelievable. I, you see why I was panicking. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, it's never failed me. I always say if I can find one, I can find them all. Mm-hmm. And of course, ADR languages has helped uh, immensely. Shout out to Joey Neighbor for putting that together. So if you or somebody that speaks a foreign language, you should try to join that on ADR languages on Facebook.
That wraps up my chat with Johnny Gidcombe. If you're interested in learning more, please don't hesitate to check out his website at loopdeloop.net. That's loop, D-E, loop.net. In the meantime, here are some very solid tips. Tip number one, loopers need to know a little bit about everything. For example, since there are tons of police and medical shows, learning how to do dispatch and taking a policing course or becoming an EMT would make you a much more marketable looper. Two, once you're given an opportunity to loop, don't shy away from it. Interact with the regular loopers, volunteer for looping cues, sit in front and absorb everything there is to learn. You won't be remembered for future opportunities if you shy away from this opportunity. And three, if you speak any other languages fluently, especially less common languages, try joining Joey Neighbor's Facebook page, ADR Languages, so you can be notified when people post a request for languages and submit if you're a match. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.